Hey friend, I don't say this often, but today's episode is probably my favorite. Recently, I read the book called On Purpose by Tanya Dalton. Now, I've read a lot of personal development entrepreneur books, but this one made a huge impact on me. It sounds corny, but life changing. Because of this book, I'm making shifts and changes that align with where I want to be in five to 10 years. Because of this book, I'm able to prioritize my tasks and goals, work on what's practical, see what's possible, and explore my ultimate potential. When a friend of mine, shout out to Robin Graham, offered an intro with Tanya, I was like, yes, but I wasn't sure if I would nail the interview. But here we are. I am so excited to introduce you to Tanya Dalton, a speaker, best-selling author, and nationally recognized productivity expert. She is going to help you step into purposeful leadership. Hey there, sister. Welcome to the Social Media for Mompreneurs podcast. I'm your host, Allison Scholes, and I am on a mission to help mompreneurs like you ditch the Instagram overwhelm and take control of your time on the app and build an extraordinary brand and business, but still be fully present with your family and just be crazy happy with your life. This show is filled with Instagram strategies, marketing hacks, branding and business tips with a side of coffee and Jesus. If you're ready for some juicy content, you know what to do. Hand your kiddos those tablets, open those juice boxes, grab your coffee, whiskey or wine, and let's dive in. Hello, Tanya. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about this. I am too. Now today... We're chatting about your latest book on purpose. And I have to say, I have read many personal development, business, life books, but this one got me. I don't think I've ever read a book where I felt the author was inside my head the whole (laughs) time. Like this book is extraordinary. It's powerful. It's meaningful. And I love how you include a downloadable action plan that goes along with each chapter in the book, because I know there's many of us who read these books and, you know, we're encouraged and our mindset is in the right place and we get the strategy and we highlight, and then we put the book down and we never touch it again. And I feel like you went one step above and pushed us to not only read the book, get the strategies, get the mindset but now go put it in action. And here's the other thing. It felt like you were sitting in my living room speaking directly to me. So I want to dive into some of the parts of your book that really had an impact on me. And I hope it has an impact on the audience today. So are you ready, Tanya? I am. I mean, after all of that, how can I say no, right? Like that is amazing because honestly, this is, this is why you write a book. You write a book because you want to help people. You want it to make an impact and make a difference. So to hear that it's had a, had a big impact on you is that's amazing. It's such a gift to hear as an author. I really did want people to feel like it's not just a bunch of ideas or thoughts. It's like, let's put it into action. So the fact that that resonated with you just that's everything. So thank you for that. Awesome. Well, my, my first question to you is why did you write on purpose? 
Yeah, well, that's a good question because why would you do something crazy like write 60,000 words, yeah. <laughs> especially in the middle of a pandemic, which is when I wrote <laughs> it. My first book came out right before the pandemic. Uh, the Joy of Missing Out is my first book. And then I was asked by HarperCollins. So Joy of Missing Out was named a top 10 business book of the year by Fortune Magazine, which is incredible and amazing for a woman who has had zero business courses, never took a class in college on business. And HarperCollins said, you know, we'd love for you to write a second book. And I was like, great, I'll totally do that. Why don't we write a book on goal setting? And they were like, fabulous, because people love goal setting, right? Mm -hmm. So I sat down, mapped out the book, had it all beautifully laid out chapter by chapter, what it was going to look like, had a writing plan. Everything was mapped out February of 2020. And then March of 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in March of 2020, the world, just everything, you know, just went off its axis. And <laughs> all of a sudden I am trying to figure out what to do with my own business. I'm homeschooling two kids that I never anticipated homeschooling, right? Because school has shut down. The world right. is upside down. I'm figuring out what to do with my team at work and everything else. And so I didn't start writing the book, didn't follow that perfect plan that I had created and couldn't write the book, couldn't write the book, couldn't get to writing the book. Because again, I'm working on algebra with you know a middle schooler and working with history, world history with a high schooler and everything else. And so what was amazing though, and this I think is the, the silver lining in the pandemic, because we have to look for the silver linings, is it really was a time where the world collectively stopped and started pausing and asking, why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I here to do? Is this what it's all about? And in that very big pregnant pause that we all had, I began to really listen to the things that people were talking about. People in my world, the people who were readers of my first book, the people who listened to me on my podcast. And these questions kept coming up again and again. And that's when I realized goals are not the goal. Goals are just the vehicle to getting you to the life you want, right? Same thing with your business. Your business is not the goal. Your business is the vehicle for the life you want to have. So when I stopped thinking about the book as this is a book about goal setting and realized goals are a part of it, but it's really that bigger vision of who you are, where you want to go, what you want that life to look like, then it becomes, oh, the goals are just stepping stones to get you there. So let's figure out how to set those goals, what those goals should be, what are the right goals for you. And let's really start looking at that bigger picture. Living on purpose isn't about changing who you are. It's rising up and becoming the best version of you. It's looking out at that horizon and seeing this bright, beautiful future that you dream about and then making your way towards that vision with purpose. So yeah, so that, that's how it all came about. That, that's amazing. And it almost felt like, what happened to you during the pandemic, it happened on purpose for you. <laughs> oh, I absolutely believe that that's what happened. I think yeah. that so many things in our world and our lives happen on purpose for us. And yes. it is, it's shifting that mindset instead of thinking, why is this happening to me? Instead thinking, why is this happening for me? What could be the good that can come out of this? Because the truth is we can dream about a bright, beautiful future, but it's not necessarily a straight, even path to get there. All right, there's going to be forks in the road. Things are going to shift and change. I know my life is a perfect example of that. I, I thought way back when that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. When I first had my kids, I had no idea I was going to be a business owner, a podcaster, an author, or any of those things. 
And it's through the shifts and the twists and the turns that happen in life that thankfully have gotten me to where I am now. And that's the thing. It's really reframing this idea of here's where I am today. Here's where I want to go. And this is exactly what it needs to look like. It's adding in that grace, adding in that flexibility for life to happen because life will throw you curveballs. Sometimes it's a pandemic. <laughs> Other times it's not, not quite so large, but there's still going to be curveballs in life. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally agree with you. Now, in the introduction, and it kind of goes back to what you were just talking about living on purpose, you start talking about asking ourselves whether we are living our lives on purpose. And I just want to share the two questions that are in your book that like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I want to share them with the audience today because I think these two questions by themselves is just going to get people to buy the book and really dive into understanding that our business is just leading us to our bigger vision, our bigger purpose. And these two, I highlighted them like the first day I read it. And it says, why do I feel so unsatisfied with how I'm spending my time? And how do I figure out what to do so my life feels more meaningful? And that just really hit me. And so when you were in that pandemic phase, are, are these the two questions that you pondered before you wrote the book? Oh yeah, without question. It was funny because, you know, I did a whole big press tour with the joy of missing out. And as I was doing, you know, a podcast tour and all these other things, this question kept coming up. Are you filling your calendar or are you filling your soul? And I think so many of us are, and me included, I was filling my calendar. There was a lot of calendar filling. And yet, you know, we run around busy. We check a thousand things off our to-do list, but we slip into bed at night and we feel unsatisfied, unsuccessful. We ask ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? We beat ourselves up for all the things we didn't do, which is because we're filling the calendar. We're checking off the things off the list, but we're not really doing things that matter to us. We're not doing the things that are meaningful. When we do those things, we do fewer things, things with more meaning. That's when we slip into bed and go, ah, oh, today was amazing. I mean, that's a good question for your listeners to ask themselves. When is the last time you went to bed and you thought to yourself, ah, oh, today was a great day. I did great work today because if it's been more than a day or two, that's too long, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they'll say, well, it was when I was on vacation and I'll say, okay, well, why was it when you were on vacation? Well, because I was focused in on my family. Mm -hmm. I was doing things that I loved, right? Ah, there's that feeling of satisfaction. That's what we're looking for. And so let's choose to find ways to make that happen in our everyday life. It doesn't just have to happen when you're on vacation. It can happen each and every day. Yes. And I think this will lead into my next question. So another part of your book that I found so powerful was a method called the fifth way. I've never heard of it before. Can you explain what it is and how it explores the root cause of what holds us back? Yeah, the fifth why is such a, it's, I love it because it's a powerful exercise, but it is so simple to do, right? It's so easy you can do it while you're in the shower. You can do it while you're driving your car. It's really not anything you need, like any special tools or equipment for. It's literally channeling your inner three-year-old and asking the question, why? 
So what happens is, you know, we have something that's going on in our life that's driving us crazy or upsetting us or frustrating us. And a lot of times we'll notice it, it'll show up in our body. We'll get a tension headache. We'll get an upset stomach. We'll get a migraine, those kinds of things. If we stop and ask ourselves, why do I feel this way, right? The first why is going to be super shallow. It's going to be just barely dipping our toes into the pool, right? So the first why is going to be something like, let's say that you're feeling frustrated at your job. I hate my job. I'm unhappy with what I do. Okay. Why are you unhappy with your job? So there's our first why. Well, because I didn't get a promotion at work. Okay. Let's ask why again. Second why. Why didn't you get the promotion at work? Well, because my boss didn't think I was ready. All right. Let's ask why again. Third why. Why didn't your boss think you were ready? Well, because I haven't gotten, let's say my advanced certification, right? Okay. Why don't you have your advanced certification? There's our fourth why. Well, I don't have my advanced certification because I feel exhausted at the end of the day and I'm just too tired to work on something like that at night. Okay, why are you exhausted and feeling too tired at night? Well, because I'm spending my day doing all these things I'm saying yes to and I'm not really saying yes to making time for the advanced certification. Ah, okay, so that fifth why gets us to the heart. It's not really about the job. It's really about saying yes to too many things. It's really about choosing to say no to the advanced certification instead of saying no to the other things. And we get to that root cause. And the beautiful thing is, when we get to the root cause, we can pull it up. We can yank it up and pull those roots up. We can shift that story for ourselves. So I love the fifth why, because see how easy it is? We literally mm -hmm. just did it right here on this podcast. Don't need any special tools or equipment, but diving deep with one, two, three, four, five whys gets you to that deeper root cause. You could ask why a hundred more times. Certainly you could, but you're going to start getting into the weeds and it's way too much, right? Five is just enough to get you to that root cause to get you to start taking action. Now, here's the thing. It's not enough just to say, okay, that's the root cause. All right, moving along. We want to take that and we want to shift it on its head. And it's not as simple as just saying, you know what? I'll just take that lie that I don't have enough time or that I write all those things and then flip it into a truth by saying, I do have enough time. You know why? You're not going to believe it. <laughs> there has to be some truth behind it. So we have to create a truth with an action. So let me give you another example of when I did this exercise for myself. Um, one of the things that was happening for me was any time that I was doing a launch or I was doing like a book launch or I was doing a course launch or something like that, I would get these really bad like stomach aches and be feel really irritable. When I asked myself why, and I did the fifth why exercise, the root cause was I felt like I had to do it all on my own. I felt like no one was going to show up to support me. I had to be on my own little private island <laughs> of work, right? And not, not the fruity cocktail type of island, but the Tom, uh, Tom Hanks and Wilson type island, right? <laughs> and so I felt really alone and frustrated. So that was, that was the lie I was telling myself that I had to do it all on my own. So to flip that into a truth, I started to say to myself, people will support me if I ask the right people and it's the right time, and if I clearly ask. So do you see how I turn that into a truth, but there's an action behind it. I have to clearly ask. If I don't clearly ask, I can't blame people for not showing up for me, right? But I also have to recognize that it has to be the right people. If I ask just anyone, they might not show up for me, but people who are part of my group, who know me and love me and get me, they're gonna show up. 
if it's the right time for them, right? And it's not always the right time for them. So if I ask the right people and it's the right time for them, people are going to show up for me, but I have to ask clearly. So see how we took that and we just flipped it right on its head and we turned that lie into a truth. So using that fifth lie has been powerful. I use it all the time in my own business. I use it even when I'm having problems with processes, you know, with systems in my business. I use it for gratitude to get to the heart of what I'm grateful for. I use it with my kids when my kids feel stuck. So it works in a thousand different ways. So simple, so easy to do. Five whys. That's awesome. And I think it's just going to kind of lead us right into my next question, because you also talk about the words we use matter. And I'm quoting you from your book. What if we flip the phrase, fake it until you make it, because we've all said that, but it feels Mm -hmm. sticky, to believe it until you become it. So can you expand on that? Yeah, I, I've always hated fake it till you make it. I don't want to be fake. I want to be right. me. I want to be honest. I want to be me. I don't want to feel like it's some kind of gross used car salesman. You know, I want to feel authentically like me. But the truth is, no one's going to believe in you until you believe in you. And I think this is the thing so often is we play ourselves really small and we present ourselves in a way that doesn't truly reflect who we are and where we want to be. You know, we'll call ourselves a small business owner or we'll say, oh, people will say, you know, oh, what do you do for your job? You'll be oh, well, I have this, I have this thing that I do or, oh, I, I just have like our voice even goes up, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> like, I've done it. We make it small. We fit it into this tiny little container that we think is acceptable instead of saying, I'm a budding entrepreneur or I am a woman who runs her own business and I impact the lives of other women through doing blah, 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 or whatever it is, right? Instead, we choose to show people the small part of us. And then we get upset when they accept that at face value and they don't take us seriously or they call us a hobbyist. You have to believe in you before anybody else will. So when you're thinking about how you define yourself, whether this is on your bio, on social media, or your social media posts, or your bio on LinkedIn, or your website, or your introduction when you meet new people, Think about how you are choosing those words to define you because people will take you at face value at whatever you present to them, right? You can choose to call yourself an expert or you can choose to call yourself this little bitty thing that's not really doing anything, right? So we have to believe it so that we can become it. And what the thing is, the truth is, is when we start to believe it, the magic happens. All of a sudden, when we begin to believe in ourselves, our shoulders roll back, our chin gets higher, People start buying in on us because we have bought in on us. So really taking stock of how you're presenting yourself is incredibly important. That's the you you're presenting to the world. So take it seriously. I think it's really important. I love that. And that section really hit me because I just did a quick little video and a podcast episode. It was just me riffing and I called it the double agent complex. And I'll be curious to get your take on this because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, even mompreneurs might feel like that when they're in their business, they're honed in and they're working. They do feel like that expert, that entrepreneur mm-hmm. that's going after their passion. They 100% believe in themselves. But then when they're put into a different situation where I call it like the social class, 
where you're with a group of people that are not entrepreneurs, do not have that mindset, we shrink and we pull back and we now pretend to be just a regular average person. Mm -hmm. And I catch myself doing that all the time. And I'm like, why? Why do I do this? Where most of the time I'm like, I'm awesome at what I do and I'm going to grow this sucker and it's going to be amazing. But then on the weekends, when I'm around people that I haven't been around for six months and they're like, how's it going? And I start talking and then I might start talking about maybe my podcast. And then they kind of just give me that look because they don't get it. And then they change the subject and they move on. And I I shrink. I go back Mm -hmm. into the corner like a shadow and I feel slighted or I feel small. And it just drives me crazy. I totally understand that. I, t- I definitely understand because a lot of people don't understand what goes on in our world, right? They don't right. understand no. what, what that is or what it is you're talking about. And so they feel like you're talking in a foreign language. And instead of feeling like, you know what? Part of my job here is to educate these people, to get them to understand what it is I do. That's a big responsibility, right? Um, instead, we choose to just make ourselves small, to make mm-hmm. ourselves socially acceptable. And we're just like, oh, you know what? We'll just forget this whole side of me that really defines me, that I believe I am amazing. I am awesome. And yet I want to make sure I'm palatable for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is social conditioning. Honestly, as women, especially we've been taught not to be too much, too loud, too big, not to take up too much space in this world. And so we, we default to our conditioning, which is, you know what, I'll just make myself smaller. I don't want to be too, whatever it is, too big, too, too loud, too, too much. Right. Right. We worry about being too much for other people. And here's the truth. This is what I think is so important, especially for entrepreneurs to take hold of, is that whatever it is that you offer, whatever it is that you do, you are solving a problem for people. If you're not solving a problem, you don't have a business. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you are a hairdresser or you are making jewelry or whatever it is you are solving a problem for a person. So understanding the problem that you solve is really important because here's the thing. People need solutions. There is someone right now out in the world today at this very moment praying for the solution that you offer for them. They are literally begging for that solution. And if you aren't there throwing your shoulders back, putting your chin up in the air, talking about that solution that you offer, they don't know about it. You're keeping your gifts, you're keeping that amazingness away from the people who truly need it. So by talking about what we do, by sharing with others the amazing things that we create and do and offer and and solve in this world, we are actually making the world a better place. In the book, we talk about the whole idea that every single one of us has the power to impact 80,000 people. That's without any sort of platform, without any sort of email list, just regular everyday people. And I'll tell you how we came up with that number. Essentially, you have about 73 years of impact, right? When you think about how long a lifespan is and how long we actually are out in the world when we're not crawling around in diapers and things like that. Uh, You have about 73 years of impact. And on average, we meet about three people a day, some days more. Some days less. Some days you go to a conference and you meet tons of people. Some days you're at home. So on average, about three people a day. So three people a day, 365 days a year, times 73 years of impact, that's 80,000 people who can be positively affected by what it is that you do, what it is you create, what it is you solve for people. 
And if you're not sharing that, you're keeping that from 80,000 people. And I want you to stop doing that. I want you to let your light shine bright so it can be a beacon for all the other people behind you to know that they can do it too. And when we realize that that is an important part of what we do as well, we can shine ourselves up a little bit more. Hey, did you know this? I recently published a journal. Yep, I did it. For years, I tried to get into the habit of journaling daily, but I could never find the right journal. Every time I would purchase a new one, I was left with disappointment. I felt unfulfilled after journaling, so I thought, heck, I'm going to create my own, and now I'm sharing it with you. If you're a dreamer like me, but ready to take action and be a doer and see those dreams come to fruition, then snag my daily journal. Create a daily habit of gratitude, dream writing, action taking, and releasing all the garbage that we don't have control over. Head to bossladyandsweatpants.com to grab your copy. Now let's get back to the show. I love that. And it's so powerful. That message is so powerful in your book. And in addition to your powerful messages, you also give a little tough love in your book. Oh, I do. So (laughs) here's an example. One of your sections is titled the myth of the multi-passionate person. And here's what you wrote. (laughs) Saying you're multi-passionate is a cop-out to keep you from fully committing to anything. (laughs) And when I read that, I went, dang. So we have to go deeper. Yeah. Ouch. Because here's the thing. I have used that term more than I can count on my hands. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just slides off my tongue. I'm multi-passionate. I just love to do everything. Mm-hmm. I'm so multi-creative. So let's go deeper on that and explain why is that a cop-out? Mm-hmm. Well, it's said with love. <laughs> <laughs> it is said with love without question. But the truth is we're all multi-passionate. Every single person in the world is multi-passionate. And I say this in the book, like you can look in the far corners of the earth. You will never find one person who's like, yep, one thing. I only (laughs) love one thing. Like we all love lots of things. I love lots of things. So when we use that term multi-passionate to define ourselves, right? That's one of the words we use and it's got a lot of power. What we can do is we can say, well, I can't do that because there's so many other things I love. We use that as like a giant rock to hide behind. So we don't have to step out and commit. So the truth is, it's okay to be multi-passionate. It's okay to love multiple things. No one is telling you, you have to love one thing and do one thing only. But the truth is, what people do is they look at something like Amazon and they're like, but Amazon does all these things. And I'll say, "Uh uh-huh, Amazon did only books. When they first started, they only sold books for quite some time. And when they got the books going, then they're like, all right. Then they started adding other things that were related to books, right? And then they added on more things. And as they grew, then they could keep adding on these other things that they were passionate about. But they started with books. So what we want to do is we want to focus in on what are we most passionate about and use that as kind of our, our guiding light. And then we can start adding things on once we get that going, right? So I have a whole exercise in the book that we walk people through to really figure out what are you truly most passionate about? And again, it's so easy to do, so simple, right? But it is, first of all, writing down what are you passionate about? And then you go through the exercise. And at the end of the exercise, you're like, oh, these are the things I really want to do. All these other things are just distractions, right? They're like little shiny objects that take us off the path of where we want to go. 
And so, you know, for me, I am really passionate about, I love building things. I love using power tools. I love redecorating and remodeling. I love interior design. I love productivity. I ended up creating a productivity company, Inkwell Press Productivity Co. That doesn't mean I left all the other stuff behind. Every year for my birthday, I build a piece of furniture. So I get out the power tools. I do all of those things, right? I still make time for those passions, but they're not what takes up the majority of my time. Majority of my space goes towards what I'm doing here with my books, with my podcast, with my company, talking about productivity. Those other things, I still take part in. I still love them, but I allow most of my focus to be focused in on productivity because I know that's what's going to shift things for in my life. That's what's going to shift things in other women's life. So yeah, if we can, if we can stop defining ourselves as multi-passionate <laughs> or a multi multiple, uh, you know, a serial entrepreneur is another one where they want to start five businesses all at the same time, right? Five businesses is great. I know a lot of women with, you know, three, four, five businesses, let's get one up and going. Then we can add the second one and then we can add the third one and go from there. But let's, let's start with one really focusing in. And I have to say, I worked through that whole section and it took me a few days to really work through it. And I discovered that what I thought, and that's the thing, what you think oh, you're, yeah. you're passionate about, it may not work out through the, the three different sections. And I'm not going to give it away because I really want yeah. them to hone in on it. I actually had it backwards. So I was like, and it was almost like a weight off my shoulders because I was like, I have been hiding that one thing in the background going, yeah, I'll get to you, but I need to do this first. And I realized, no, that's the thing I need to do. This can come later. And I just reshifted my whole focus. And I just like cleared my calendar for a whole week and just sat down and I mapped out all my landmarks and everything and go, this is where I need to be going. And it just, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders, not you know, feeling that I need to do this. And that's the other thing too, that we have to allow ourselves to make these pivots because how you've started your business, you're going to realize that there's certain aspects or certain things that you're like, this is not what I expected. And I'm not liking this and I'm going to change (laughs) and it's okay to change. And I am not stuck with this. I am not. Well, first of all, let me just say, you just made my day with saying that you did the activity and it gave you so much clarity. That's why I have the whole reader's guide that goes with it. That's included for free with the book because I want you to do the exercises. So that has made my day. That's amazing. Awesome. (laughs) And I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, we feel like if we've made a decision that we have to stick with it and then we feel stuck, right? We are like, oh, I'm stuck doing this one thing. And the truth is my life is nowhere where I anticipated. You know, I talked about, I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And then through all the shifts and the twists and the turns, life is going to happen. Life is going to throw monkey wrenches at you and and worse, (laughs) quite frankly, and you're going to get off track. There's a chapter in the book where we talk about this idea that we have to give ourselves grace that we need to do. And I call it the three A's when this is happening. The first A is to acknowledge, okay, where am I? What is, what's happening here? Do, do you know, what's, what's going on? Because a lot of times we're going down the highway at, you know, 65 miles per hour, or if I'm driving more like 75, <laughs> 75 miles an hour down the highway, right? And we're just zooming along, doing the things we think we're supposed to be doing, checking them off the list and going, moving, moving, moving. And then all of a sudden we realize, hold on, I'm not on the highway. What just happened? I got off track. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. So that first day is to acknowledge, not beat yourself up, not tell yourself you're the worst ever, just acknowledge, 
okay, something is different here. I'm not sure what it is. We get to that second A, which is assess. Okay, what do I think about where I am right now? Do I like it? Am I happy with where I am? Sometimes you get off the highway and you're like, hold on a moment. This scenic route has mountain views and I like this a lot better. I didn't even know this was possible. You don't know it's possible till you've gotten off the track, right? And that certainly was one of the things that happened for me from time to time. Or you might say, you know what? I think I wanna get back on the highway. I liked where I was, I just got off track. So let's assess, do I like where I am? Do I like where I'm going? Do I wanna go back on the highway or do I wanna stay on the scenic route? Do I wanna take this fork in the road? Then we get to that third A. So the first A was acknowledge, then we have assess, and the third A is adjust. All right, if I wanna get back on the highway, what do I need to do? How do I need to adjust what I'm doing, my habits, those types of things, so I can get back on the highway? Or if you like that scenic route, gosh, I really like where I am here, what do I need to adjust with my goals? Do I need to throw away the old goals and write new goals for myself? Because that's okay. You're allowed to do that. You can throw those out, right? And write <laughs> new goals for yourself. Where do I want to go now? Maybe I need to adjust that vision slightly. And that's okay. That allows the grace for life to happen. Because truly, it's the detours of life that often get us right where we need to go. It's the little kind of things like we were talking about with writing the book. Totally shifted from where I thought it would be to where it was. And I'm so glad it did, right? The shifts in life are just as important as the mapping and the planning. Yeah. And I think too, when you're talking about the three A's, I had that happen to me just, I think a couple of years ago where I had this, in, it was in the middle of the night moment where, and I actually wrote an article about it and I, I forget what I called it, but it was like pivoting with Ross Geller and Keebler fudge sticks, because that's literally what I did. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I went downstairs and we had those Keebler fudge sticks in the fridge and I'm eating them, walking around. And I'm thinking of the friends episode with Ross, with the couch yep. yelling, pivot. Pivot. Mm-hmm. and I went, I need to do this. And I did, I had to acknowledge where, what am I doing? Where am I going? How did I get here? I need to assess what I'm doing. And then I totally adjusted. And I think you will go through those, not just once. You're gonna oh go no, it not just once for like the rest of your life. Like just no. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, thank goodness we change. I certainly am so happy. I'm not the same person I was when I was 20 years old. I have so much knowledge and I have, you know, so much better insight with things. It, it's a beautiful thing to shift and change and evolve and grow. It's, it's difficult work though, right? It can yes. feel messy in that middle and nobody enjoys the messy middle when you're unsure or you're not, you know, you're thinking you need to pivot and you're stuck like Russ Ross with the couch, you know, like trying to get around the, the yep. stairwell. It feels messy, but truly this is when we can go right back to that fifth why idea. When you're doing that assessment, how do I, do I like what I'm doing? Start asking that question why five times, right? And start to really assess, do I like this? Do I need to make some adjustments? You're going to make multiple adjustments in your lifetime. And those adjustments are going to be, they're going to be important to making you into the person you are today. Yes. Well, this entire book is so good and I can just kind of keep going, but I don't want to give the whole book away, (laughs) but I do have one final question. Any new books or projects on the horizon? I love that question because a lot of people have been like, when's the next book coming out? (laughs) It's one of those things where people are like, get back on the highway, 75 (laughs) miles per hour. And right now I'm giving the book a little bit of space to breathe. I have The Joy of Missing Out, which is my first book. And then On Purpose, which is the second book. I'm giving them a little bit of space to breathe, to let that those messages get out into the world. I'm really stepping 100% into speaking. 
And speaking is one of those things that I put on the back burner for a while. It's something I'm truly passionate about, but my kids are now 19 and 15, which is crazy because I'm only 26. So I'm not sure how the math works out, but <laughs> somehow I have one in college and one in high school. And I'm, I'm ready to really step into that new phase for me of doing more speaking. So um, that's really where I'm focusing in on and really making, um, I have courses that I offer. I have courses for entrepreneurs and how to really understand how your time works, uh, allowing those to have some some uh, foundation and to really reach new audiences. So that is really what I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking my own advice and finding some joy of missing out on a lot of the, the hectic, busy life and taking a little breathing space as space. And then I will, then I'll pick it back up. I'm excited for what's going to happen next. Well, I'm excited for you. And again, Tanya, thank you so much for being on the show today. You were, you were awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've, I, like I said to you before we started hitting record, I love talking about the book. I'm really passionate about it. I just really want women to, to take hold and to take action and to hear that you have done that is incredible. So I would love people to pick up a copy of the book or, you know, so you can start listening to my podcast, The Intentional Advantage. It's available wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Absolutely. Yes. And for those who are listening and watching, get your copy of On Purpose and rise up and become the best version of you. I can't thank you enough for listening today and supporting this show. The best way to support me and grow the podcast is by leaving a written review on Apple iTunes. I promise you, I read every review and take them to heart. And don't forget, head to bossladyinsweatpants.com to grab all my freebies or hang out with me on Instagram at Allison Scholes. I'll see you soon.